0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back into the Buster Show. On today's episode, we have another person who I consider one of the greatest pound for pound basketball players to ever live. And that is because we have the professor on the show, my friend. How are you?
1: Hey, thanks for having me, you on man. I'm great. I'm great.
0: Awesome. So I wanted to start this off by asking you, you know, you're somebody who I consider uh you you are one of the very few people who played basketball both pre-social media during social media, and then created a career, you know, on social media. What was it like, uh, you know, did did you have any aspirations, because you really hit the scene when you started playing and one, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so when you were in, in that sort of scene, did you ever think that there was going to be another level of media? Did you think that, you know, you were going to be watched on the internet or what what was media at that time.
1: You know, I had hoped I had hoped but um you know, my second chance so to speak like in my career, my second chance to be have like a big audience really was a blessing, you know what I mean? Cuz usually somebody gets one opportunity, you don't usually get two. So, what you might not know is is that and one got bought out by a different entity in um 2006 and then they only did the tour for two more years up until 2008 and it just ended abruptly like it was just over and we, we didn't even get a call like it was just just done no espn show no contract renewal no no shoes no sponsorship no anything and so it was hard times for i know my, for myself and a few of the guys from what i'm hearing you know i can't speak for everybody but from from what i'm hearing even from their stories it was like rough times so my youtube Uh, the starting of my YouTube was an attempt to uh, make a business, but it was also an attempt to just hopefully get more bookings because back then it was still more about the live show. Right. You know, and and one was in 40 plus countries at the time. So they were starting to find out what happened in the United States and that they weren't going to bring us on their tour. So they're hitting us directly and they were saying, Hey, you want to come play these, these games. And so I'd go do like and one Africa and one Brazil and one Russia and basically YouTube was the tool to show them like still out here playing right (laughs) and then 2013 had a video go viral million subscribers in a week so it turned into a business quick yeah
0: wow that's pretty crazy
1: yeah so it was it was a blessing man my second wave was a blessing I had 17,000 subscribers before that video that's
0: crazy what video was it
1: It was Spider-Man basketball, episode one.
0: Pretty pretty perfect timing. That whole series, too, with, you know, how Marvel became the center of cinema, you know, in that time period.
1: Yeah, literally. And we tacked on to, I think at the time, Spider-Man 2 had come out with Andrew Garfield, the ones with Andrew Garfield. And so I remember my initial title actually had Spider-Man Two in parentheses at the end of it, you know what I mean, to try to get those search, right, where, you know, right. come up in the search uh, initially, and I ended up changing it later as it became more episodic. But um, yeah, man, it was it was definitely a blessing for sure, good timing. That's awesome.
0: I saw you tweet something the other day. You know that there are great Hoopers everywhere on the entire planet. In every country i feel like that's something that most people don't understand thinking that they're you know the greatest player in the world because they're the best at their ymca <laughs> uh how, how, do you, how at what point did you sort of realize that and you know if you want to elaborate at all on on how true that is
1: oh it's so true uh me and my homie air we were just talking about how like a lot of people they got small tunnel vision they they're good with their own crowd or they're good they're good with the white people basketball crowd or good with their, you know what I mean? Like, right. like, they're good in their own pockets, but then when they get, you know, when the lights come on and it's like a lot better comp, it's a different story. So you, so you end up finding out, uh, for me, I found out internationally there's great Hoopers everywhere. When I signed with N1. and the first, I think I signed a contract 2003, we did a summer tour all around the United States That was even eye-opening too. Even in the tryouts going around the United States, shock how many players are pretty dang good or got crazy hops, but couldn't really like get on, you know? And then that winter, we went to Europe and we did like a 15-city European tour. So that was my introduction to international. And then from there, I think that January 04, went to Australia. And then, you know, from there, we went to Asia and all these places. And it's just, my eyes were opened that wherever we went, we were playing pro teams and this wasn't even, you know, sometimes it would be a D2 pro team, but like dudes could play, you know what I mean? So when I said, when I said great hoopers everywhere uh, like an NBA player might not say that because their definition of great would be like, can you play in the league? Right. I was, I was speaking more from just uh, you know, a a lower uh, standard than them, but like, tough hoopers like I consider somebody who can play semi-professional basketball and score you know 25 and have like seven assists like you you gotta be pretty dang good you know what I mean so uh yeah it's pro level hoopers everywhere it's crazy
0: that's amazing now what are there any countries that you know have great hoopers that you think might surprise people
1: uh absolutely I think um see and that's what surprised me we would go to like these little countries that you you never even heard of Right. Find hoopers. So like you could go to New Zealand and find some like good pro hoopers that you know countries you don't even think about. Um Philippines got hoopers. I was
0: just I was just gonna say the Filipino yeah. basketball and NBA fan community is unreal.
1: Unreal. And then you know it's more known today about like the Chinese, since, since NBA players, a lot of them, when they, when they drop on the NBA, they go play in China. Right. So it's right. like more common knowledge that China has Hoopers, but. Shanghai
0: Sharks. Yeah.
1: It was unknown, you know, 20, 15, 20 years ago when we started going to Asia, I mean, that was unknown, right. There wasn't as much social media. You don't really like see what's going on over there. So to, to know that there was like Hoopers in Asia, cause, cause typically, just stereotypically speaking, you don't think of Asians as great, great basketball players, but. Man, you go to China and Japan, you'd be like, these dudes are monsters, you know?
0: Yeah, that's that's pretty crazy. Now, at at you, know, is there anywhere? Because you for and one, you traveled all around the world. You went country to country, and then afterwards, you went country to country. Is there anywhere that you haven't played yet that you want to play? Like, is literally anywhere?
1: Uh, yeah, I would love to play in. Uh, egypt uh an outdoor court in egypt i think that would be cool i don't even know if a basketball court exists like with the pyramids in the background <laughs> now i do things okay. for video aesthetic you know what i mean so right. i think that, like like 2018 we went to uganda africa and i got to hoop on a dirt court you know what i mean like like with this african college team it and was, it was so fun and we made some awesome videos from it so um now i think about that but yeah like somewhere like egypt i think would be really dope uh, even going back to Africa, you know, I've been to Africa only in two two different countries, Angola and Uganda. I would like to expand maybe South Africa, maybe Nigeria. Um, there's some places in Eastern Europe I think that would be cool. Um, where else? Oh, always looking to expand, like if it's somewhere in the islands or the Caribbean or something, you can't go wrong with that. Do you, have,
0: do you have a favorite court in the world if you had to pinpoint one?
1: Um where is my favorite court in the world from a scenery standpoint i actually like the laguna beach courts out here they're on main beach i've made five or six videos in there and every video i made from there never did not go viral so <laughs> like stamp that that's like my court you know what i mean the, the laguna half courts but um if we're talking about from crowd energy standpoint it's hard to say which court, but there's some incredible courts like in New York, where like if you play, the crowd energy is gonna be a thousand. Oh you can't yeah, really West 4th in-
0: Street's incredible.
1: Yeah, playing in Madison Square Garden is incredible. Oh yeah. So, <laughs> you know, even Venice Beach is dope. So I guess it just depends. Totally. You know?
0: yeah. Now I have a logistical question for you. You played, you played basketball in a prison. How does one go about setting something like that up? Is that something, you obviously didn't go to jail you know so how do you how do you get in there how do you set that up how do you keep it cool because you know not the safest place in the world obviously
1: yeah (laughs) so there was an organization it was a ministry uh this ministry set that up so it was actually I found a guy named Jay Lyons I love this guy he's an amazing uh producer cinematographer director and I saw some of his work, you know, he did like this show on shows on MTV in the past he won awards for he's done shows for like a lot of major networks so dude's work was like on point, and he agreed to do my documentary, so we shook hands on that, and I was like cool, and then he asked me, uh, we're both Christian so he asked me his favorite like he's like hey I'm doing these episodes for. Uh, prison fellowship was the name of the ministry. He was like, would you want to come to prison and tell your life story? And then hopefully we can get cleared to play ball one of them and then make a really dope YouTube video. And so I was like, cool. And at the time I never really had anybody who was like a corporate who didn't like shoot basketball content or like be in the basketball world, be able to shoot a video for me and do it right. Because on YouTube it has to be shot a certain way. So I thought it was gonna be kind of corporate, but I liked the idea of being impactful um, from a ministry standpoint. So I agreed, like tell my story. And then we went out there and then we did actually went to three prisons. I told my life story, three different spots. And uh, then the last one, we got cleared to play ball. And so uh, I forgot about, it. you know, we left, I was really impacted just by the experience, being there in person, seeing what that looks like, talked to a bunch of prisoners, sat in their cell, with them crazy experience but as far as the video i was like oh it'd probably be all right who knows you know what i mean so he sent me the video three weeks later and uh i watched it and i'm, I'm like critical because i'm an editor i'm a video editor so i have mad feedback from my editors. you know when i see a video right. i have no feedback this guy, he sent me and i was like wow well we'll upload it cool <laughs> you know and so i uploaded it. it was like 16 million in one week on that vid and uh took my subscriber level to, you know, to a different level as well. So, um, so yeah, that's what it was. It was more about impact, you know?
0: Is that your favorite video you've ever made?
1: That's, yeah, that's one of my favorite two or three videos on the channel for sure. But it's, but it's the best produced video by far.
0: Got it. How, this is something I, I think about often because on social media, it's funny because production quality can often hurt performance of videos. How do you sort of try to walk that tightrope of, I want it to look really nice, but people on the internet aren't used to really nice. So oftentimes they won't watch it because it's really nice. And the iPhone quality video does better.
1: I think that, uh, I think there's a good balance between highly produced, like if you watch my most recent video on YouTube right now, the same guy who made the prison video made this video where like I was in the skies and I went to the Laguna courts and like people around there and I actually interviewed him and I tried to bring up myself. And I said, you think you could beat that guy or whatever? And then the next thing I take on my wig, I said, all right, let's do it. You know, and people are like, what? That's so <laughs> But, but we, we could have overproduced it and made it not good but there's a balance in keeping it, uh, keeping it fast, keeping it interesting and then using music that fits your audience and then not making it look too TV. It's still kind of like vloggy. There's a balance. Wow. It's really hard to explain cookie cutter what that should look like. Cause be- the reality is for every video that would look different, you know? So I think there's a balance. I think overproduce, I think when it gets too corporate and corny music and, it's just it needs to be it needs to resonate sauce because now the appeal for people people love like hip hop so if it doesn't resonate like this is hot in this like yeah cool way then it's gonna be tough you know what I mean
0: hundred percent
1: yeah because I have done the overproduced before too but I don't even know if it's overproduced I just felt like it was kind of corny it was just kind of corny you know what I mean
0: yeah my take of always. On, on that sort of thing was the highly produced stuff is better long term. Like in five years and 10 years, that's the content that's the most evergreen if there were a, were a scale of content that were to survive for a long time. And the you know, less produced stuff is a little bit more shorter form, like short, shorter term in terms of evergreen. and it'll probably perform a lot better in the short term. Um, but you know, it it also all depends on what people's goals are, right? Because I yeah, think
1: it does, you know, it, yeah, it depend on what they like too. Because, for example, the number one video on my channel actually isn't that that prison, the pretty right. prison 50 some mil, but the number one video is shot on two iPhone 7s on my channel. But the reason it is is because it, it's a basketball video that you could watch. Here we are, we're actually five years out from it now, but it still is one of the top performing videos on my channel every week because of what was captured and how it went down as opposed to like a lifestyle vlogger who goes more like iPhone style. Are you going to watch what they did on a random Tuesday in, in <laughs> January five years from now? Probably it just becomes less interesting.
0: Totally. Especially, I mean, if the content matter is specific to that time or anything like that.
1: Um, right.
0: But, you know, I, I think it's also a matter of like, what, what do people want to do with their show or their thing? Because if your content's well-produced, you can go out and sell that, you know, IP to Amazon or Netflix or start your own company doing it. You know, the possibilities are endless, the better, you know, the production is. So there's that, that element of it, too.
1: Yeah, no, 100%. 100%. I think, I think now, I, th- I would say most vloggers or most, most YouTubers are making stuff for the moment. You know, like a lot of people like you, you consume it for about definitely when it first comes out for maybe a week or so. And then some maybe live a little bit longer, but 90% of them are just like at that time. And then it's more about volume and just keeping it going. That's probably the most common way.
0: Totally. Now you're somebody who's lasted for a very long time on social. And I've said this before on this podcast. I think the average influencer career is shorter than the average NFL career. Now, what do you think? Uh, has been sort of what has allowed you to survive for so much longer on social
1: um i think i learned that you you have your brand you kind of have to evolve you can't do the same thing for 10 years right like it kind of has to evolve so yes i play basketball but uh i'm always thinking of like new themes and new concepts try to add a couple new moves every so many years uh Doing collabs recently, my my homie Air Dizzy, he he was encouraging me to like do collabs, mix it up with like the gamers and gamer hoopers and uh, yeah, expansion is always gonna be about keeping your audience interested. at the, At the most simplest level, it's like how do you keep their right. interest long term? And so I think what happens is you just have to have a lot of variety and kind of like rebrand. For example, like we did Spider Man basketball video for a long time. You know, we did them for about 2013 to 2016 or 17 maybe even 2018 you know what I mean like they did one or two and if you look at the viewership on them like they went really crazy for about three years but then it like started kind of like tail off and I think for me uh, what I realized is just like it was time to you know do something else (laughs) you know even even though we did other videos in the middle it's just like let's come up with new and other cool interesting concepts and funny stuff and morph into a different way so I think I think that's what happens. And I think also influencers don't know that it's a long-term play to getting a mass audience. Like some people can do it in a year, like some people can you know? But you're looking at the less than 1%. I'd say less than, you know, half a percent.
0: I think it's like a handful of people. Yeah, who year. blow up yeah.
1: fast. Like, like, yeah. this is like there's, there's people who do blow a channel up in like one year and they're getting like, a few of them got millions of views, you know, a few of the videos. So, I think you just have to understand that's a rare thing. I tell YouTubers, you want to hop in and you're starting now. I say, cool, it's never too late because the platforms are never going to disallow you to be able to like grow, right? It's never too late. But it's like a three to five year investment before you start getting a couple thousand views per video. It could be, could be that long. That's the reality.
0: Totally. I think
1: a lot lot of people, they give up before that. You know, that's that's the thing.
0: Totally. And I think, you know, the the what's super true about that is that the fact that it takes, you know, a few years to get that thousand views, that thousand views is a metric that can be applied over to any other career path. That level of success can take that same amount of time to accomplish, you know. So do you think sort of the key for that for you is how hypercritical you are of everything?
1: Yeah, I, th- I think that plays a role. I think it definitely plays a role, and I think you're right. <clears throat> that level of success in a different genre, like a, a, a different job or whatever, it 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 always is a long term investment, right? But I think that's going back to what I said is like people are too caught up on the half a percent or 001 percent that go crazy every video and have a mass audience. We look at that and we're like, why can't I do that? It's like, well, hey, there's you know six billion people in the world, probably a couple billion of them on social, like. It's nice it's mad competition out here you know but it's easy to watch those handful that you see all the time crush it and think that uh you could slide in that spot but the reality is like super difficult and so um yeah I think like I've always aimed to make timeless content
0: mm-hmm. if I
1: could because <clears throat> what i do know is incredible basketball never gets old as long as basketball is popular well what right. is basketball doing globally it's only getting more popular and expanding so it's a great time to be on some b-ball stuff but That's why I always try to play different than NBA players. Like, I don't want to do conventional moves. I'm always trying to play a really unique way that you can't catch anywhere else, or at least I try, you know?
0: Totally. No, that makes makes perfect sense.
1: Yeah, so I think good production, evolving, being, you know, picky about your edits. Like, we're picky now, but we shoot. I don't want to put out a video on YouTube if I don't feel like it can do seven figures. Don't even want to put it out. But I Mm – Three years ago, I still was in a mind frame of like, "Oh, this one won't do seven figures, but it'll bridge the it'll bridge me. It's a filler video, so we don't do we don't even do fillers no more."
0: <laughs> so, will will you ever film stuff and then not like it enough to put it out?
1: All the time, all the time. I mean, you try not to waste a day. You know, uh, we we a lot of times we can grab something out of the day, but I'm so much more picky as of even just like. last like year year and a half or so um that easily we could hoop and just not upload that day like yeah for sure right yeah another thing you know little youtube trick is hey if we have a great story that led to us hooping somewhere and we didn't quite go crazy that day from a highlight standpoint like maybe we won and it was cool but it wasn't like super captivating we're going back the next day we're in the same outfit same lighting same everything we're gonna go back the next day and we're gonna get it right (laughs) that happens sometimes you know
0: i love that yeah you know i I think it's funny too you know how people like you said always try to compare to those few people who blew up in a year or a few months or whatever it is but in reality the you know age-old tale is true that the the quicker you rise the harder you fall and that I think the worst thing that can happen, and I'm curious your thought on this too, is for your first video to go viral because then it sets a false precedent where you also have no content. Like somebody goes to your pages or looks you up and there's nothing else there. You're just, you're alone, you're one, your solo videos alone. And then you now have this uh, internal competition to replicate something that you didn't even know how you created in the first place. And You know, I I had this um, awesome former WWE star on the show a few weeks ago, Mickey James, and she said, you don't want to be overexposed before you're ready. And I thought about that a bunch. I'm like, you know what? You're right. You don't want to be overexposed before you're ready. And I think that's an example of how for a lot of people, they want to be exposed, but they don't realize that it's actually being overexposed.
1: I think you make a really good point. I think it's a great point, you know? And I think also a ways in that too is a lot of people don't understand marketing reach and views. So like, let's say I start a YouTube channel today, right? First video does a million views. Now, some people might get really Hollywood and think they're famous, you know what I mean? But the reality is what I know is from being in business for a long time, I try to only look at the mass market. I try to evaluate it based on the mainstream and the mass market. Even today on my channel, I know for 100% fact that only 10 videos hit the mainstream or, or like the, the, the mass market. The reality is if you do a video, it gets a million views in a week. If, you, if you're zooming out and looking at the, the everybody, the the mass market, nobody saw that video. For real, not for real. You know what I mean? but. Yeah who has that perspective, you kind of have to be in the game for a while and really understand marketing and, and viewership and how that works. Because like, like you said, people can get an unhealthy standard trying to meet that mark. You know, that, that definitely happens. And then you also, you don't really know, it's, let's say you did five videos in a row and they all got over a million. You might think like you're ready to have a TV show or like, <laughs> or like do some incredible things, not knowing that like, that was 5 million views. That's just like, that was dope. Don't get me wrong, but like, it doesn't mean you're gonna be a millionaire. <laughs> so, people have unrealistic, delusional viewpoints. Like, like yeah. I see it all the time. Air dog, my homie Air over here. We were just talking about how we knew somebody who recently blew up uh, in the YouTube space. Like, he is going crazy. He has like twenty some videos or whatever, but they're doing over a couple mil. And they, this dude on Instagram now he talking crazy about other influencers. I did this in a shorter time which what took you years to do and we do an oh, no. blah 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 and it's just like he get, that dude's got too narrow of scope you know what I mean like he's not wrong for it. he just don't know he doesn't understand but that's a lot of people I would say a lot of people don't have good perspective on reach and what that actually means and yeah. then, like you said you can get those unhealthy standards easily
0: I think such a great point too that you know it's important to touch on is how much easier it is doing what you love like obvious it's so apparent that you do what you love i mean you couldn't do it for as long as you've done it without loving to play basketball every day and playing in front of crowds and learning new moves and playing with players so you know I, i think that how important do you think that is or can you even you know put words to that because it's everything
1: yeah i would say it's one of the most important aspects you know what I mean? Pro- probably probably the most important, I would say. And then also, though, you got to love, you got to like production. You got to learn to like production. So me hopping into this, 13 years ago, homie showed me how to use Final Cut Pro. And that was my first level of production. That's all I knew. I knew that I had like a flip cam, we could press record, and it's autofocus and that works. <laughs> this is and selfies and smartphones. And I knew that if I got the footage from that, We throw that on Final Cut Pro and I could edit that and that could go on YouTube. That's all I knew about production to start with. So, but I was interested in it and I actually liked the the idea of like editing a piece because it is art. You know what I mean? So I learned to like that art myself. And then when it came time to get a staff and a team, you can commission them because you like it yourself. So you're able to uh, learn all about it and then convey it to them. Now, some people can just right off the gate, hire somebody who knows production and just like does their thing but are, how long how long are you going to get somebody to carry that weight it's almost like you got to learn it yourself and you got to like it so i think the production is a big part because i know a lot of people who are talented and could today they could have channels with seven figure subscribers but the problem is they can't they, they don't like production themselves and they're not good at hiring a team that can do it for them because they don't even know how to convey it you know they don't right. know how to communicate it so that's a big aspect too
0: Totally. Yeah. Loving the production aspect of it is something I, I doubt very many people actually enjoy because it is a grind and it can be this, you know, conflicting thing where you think that you're bigger than you are, but then you have to do the grind. So it's, you know, it's bal it's balancing those two things. Like you could go out and hit a game winning shot in front of, you know, 20,000 people, but then have to go home and like edit a video for four hours. Like that is not a very like, you know, Cool thing, but it's just the reality that people don't like to you know talk about.
1: Yeah, here's a reality for some people that don't know. I have a team, I still edit every now and again. Like if it's a banger and I had a vision for it and I know it's gonna be a good one, I actually still edit the video, believe it or not. I know and I like team of editors, but I own it, the production, I actually enjoy it so um. I can't you're right I can't spend mad time editing it takes it takes a lot but uh still dabbling even today so so yeah you got to have a healthy view of it right
0: <laughs> it's all it's all about the mindset that's for sure now what what it, last question for you what it, what excites you the most right now in general
1: um what excites me the most right now good question I think um taking things to the next level. So I'm trying to hire more people onto my team. So I can take things to the next level. For example, we're gonna keep professor live just how it is, but even, even be a little bit more consistent on the uploads. Right now we're like one a week, some very rarely, sometimes two a week. I'd love to be a two a week all the time and, and aiming for bangers only. And then on my BTS channel, I want to just throw up anything and everything and really expand on that. So the expansion of more, more uploads excites me. And then also, uh, um uh, starting an online program crossover uh, crossover five.com people can go sign up for it right now but it's Amazing. gonna be my online like people always ask me number one number one thing like how do I dribble like you can you teach me can you train me and the reality is I don't have enough time It'd be spread too thin right, <laughs> right. More about content and entertainment so I'm gonna do an online course where uh people could sign up monthly and I could be your your digital trainer and it'll be mainly centered in ball handling but kind of like all all skills so Trying to launch that um, within the next like you know couple months, so I'm really excited about that.
0: That's amazing! Congratulations!
1: Thanks. Well, awesome. So... <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, thank you so much again for doing this. It's been a pleasure, and uh, we'll, we'll have to do this again sometime.
1: Hey, thanks a lot, man. Appreciate the All time. Right,
0: everybody. We'll see ya. Peace.